1: future We're talking real money.
2: Well hello everyone. you know what day it is? Well for me it's Friday. For you I have no idea. it depends on when you're listening to this podcast. But when I record a podcast on Friday, generally it's your questions and my answers. And so since that's tradition, that's what we're gonna do today. How do you ask questions you ask? Well you ask questions? by calling 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Or you can send your questions in online. You can either speak them or write them at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. But today, we're going to concentrate entirely on questions that were called in to 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And let's get started.
3: Hey, Tom and Don. This is Dave from Orange, California. I got a question regarding tax loss harvesting. I have brokerage accounts at both Vanguard and Fidelity. And I was wondering if I went ahead and purchased, say, S&P 500 at Fidelity, which I do not currently have in a brokerage account say 25 grand and sold 25 grand in a Vanguard brokerage account and left that money in the settlement account, not moving it for 30 days. Would that work? What do you think? Separate money? Separate accounts? Who knows? You guys are the experts. Let me know. I can't wait to hear it.
2: I think I understand what you're doing. It wasn't real clear. So basically, I think you're saying you want to sell the Vanguard 500 index in a Vanguard account and then leave that in money market for 31 days and then rebuy it Vanguard. While at the same time you're buying the S&P 500 Fund at Fidelity. (laughs) It's clever. It's clever. But I'm pretty darn sure that you could, if the IRS wanted to push it, run afoul of the wash sale rule. Because in essence, you're still doing the same thing. You're selling it and then immediately buying it back. The S&P 500, two different funds but still the S&P 500. So while I'm not an attorney, I'm pretty sure that the IRS would take the position that you're gaming the system and you're in essence violating the watch sale rule. So, I wouldn't bother anyway. Why Why do that? I mean, why even own the S&P 500? Why not own a total market fund? This would be a great opportunity to get out of the stupid S&P 500 that's so limiting and get into the Vanguard Total World Stock Index or the Fidelity Total U.S. and Total International Funds, International Index Funds, and get your your uh, scope broadened. Get a broader, more diversified portfolio that takes into account some of the asset classes that have done better over time than just the S&P 500, while the bulk of your portfolio is still going to be the S&P 500. So we are a clever bunch, aren't we, though? We're always looking for an angle. Thank you very much for the call. I do appreciate it. And again, the number eight five five nine three five. 935 talk Here's our next question.
4: Hi. I had called and asked this question before, but I never heard the answer, even though I listened rather carefully. So I'm not sure if, if you just don't answer everything or if somehow I missed it. But um, the question about dividends and question about their administration, meaning um, how do you start a dividend, how do you end a dividend, and how do you change the amount of a dividend – Um, does that require a meeting of the board of directors or can the chief financial officer or somebody else in the company just decide they're not going to pay this dividend anymore? And I'm referring here primarily to the period of time prior to the ex-dividend date. I think once the ex-dividend date occurs, um, they are rather legally committed. But prior to that, what are the rules for, uh, changing the, um, the um, dividend
2: around or terminating it
4: carry on buddy have a good one
2: so how do dividends work it's actually really really simple dividends are declared by the company's board of directors by a majority vote of the board of directors one person cannot decide to declare or suspend a dividend No single person at any company has the authority to do that. The same thing for suspension of a dividend or termination of a dividend. That has to be voted on by the company's board of directors, not by the shareholders, but by the board of directors. So and basically dividends are declared when a company believes it has excess money, money it doesn't need for operations, money that it doesn't need to invest in future growth. Money that it hopes will make its shares more valuable by handing it out to shareholders. Uh, so it's the basically it's the company's decision, and the company, shareholders elect the board of directors. So it's very much like government. Shareholders elect the board of directors, the board of directors makes the decisions. I mean, look at it as a government. We don't put every single thing to a vote of the country. We elect representatives or our states or our cities. We elect representatives to make those decisions for us. And if we don't like their decisions, we vote them out. You can do the same thing with your board of directors. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. Glad you listen. And let's see. Oh, we have this call. Hi, guys. Uh, This is Dave from Salem, Oregon.
3: I have a situation where I have real estate, and when I pass, it's going to have to be managed either to continue uh, having the real estate or selling it in a timely manner. It's kind of hard to, to express what I'm thinking here. So the majority of my cash is in Fidelity at this point, but they don't have access to managing real estate. So they recommended that I go to First American Title, which does have capabilities of uh, managing real estate. But here's the deal once the real estate is sold, it uh, still uh, goes under the auspices of First American uh, title to manage the property. And uh, even Fidelity says that the um, there might be advantages to letting them manage it even after the real estate is converted to cash. So my question is, between the two, Fidelity and First American Title, which would you recommend as a long-term solution to manage not only selling the property, but managing the assets after the property is sold? Again, kind of a complicated question. I appreciate what you guys do,
2: and we'll look forward to hearing this answer. Thanks. Well, Dave, I I am not really sure what you're asking. You say property management, but I don't think that's what you mean, because property management, to me, means renting out the property, collecting rents, taking care of the things that need to be done along the way, and First American Title does not do that. First American Title does title work and settlement work. So I'm not sure what you're looking to have done it sounds like you want to have the money managed somehow. And you're right. Fidelity does not manage real estate. Now, if you have a bunch of real estate already and you plan to leave this to your heirs, it might make sense to wait to sell it until they get the money after your passing because they get a step up in cost basis. If that's what you're planning, then maybe that makes sense. It just depends on how long you think you have. Uh, If you don't like managing real estate, if you don't like managing the the, the buying and the selling of it, and that sounds like what you're talking about, then I do not understand why you don't own, just own real estate investment trusts because they do it for you at a tiny, tiny little fee compared to the kind of fees you're going to pay elsewhere for managing your money. You're right, Fidelity won't do it, but Fidelity can certainly get you into a, a real estate investment trust mutual fund or ETF. And if you have a long time before you plan to pass the properties along and you don't have a big taxable gain, well, it might make sense to start tax-managed selling some of those assets and moving it into something a lot simpler to operate. But, but from what I know, first American title doesn't manage real estate portfolios. And I didn't even know that they managed money. If they do, it's news to me. But I'm not really sure what you're trying to accomplish. It sounds to me like the best person to give you advice on what you need is probably either a real estate attorney or an elder law attorney or a combination thereof. Glad you called, though. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. As we continue to move along here is our next call
0: hey tom and don um my name is para and i'm uh calling from casper wyoming i shout out to the person who called from green river um anyway i have two boys they are um 11 and 12 and they started earning their own money i opened a roth ira for them on fidelity um they are earning money by doing dump runs and they're doing all the work a couple of the people who they work for are small businesses, and I was wondering if I'm keeping really, really good notes um, on who they get their money fr- from and and everything. Anyway, a couple of the people who they are doing the runs for have their own businesses, and I was wondering if it would be a good idea for me to get 1099s from them. They agreed to do so if we wanted to, just so I have a good record, of, you know, for tax. I just don't want it to come back and bite them in the butt. Um, It's not even going to be $1,000 probably that they have. And I don't mind paying the taxes on the little bit of money that they have earned. Um, Thank you. Okay, bye.
2: Well, good for you and good for your kids. I'm really impressed, Cara. They're 11 and 12 and they're working for a living and putting money away in a Roth IRA. Oh, these kids are going to be really well off if they can leave that money alone for, oh my gosh, the next 55 years or so. They should, yeah, Unless the country completely falls apart, they should be sitting pretty. As for the 1099, I'm with you. I think if they don't mind issuing a 1099, that a 1099 would be really good. Technically, you can keep track, but this gives you much better record keeping and 1099s are sent to the IRS. You can be pretty certain they're going to know they earned the money and they're going to believe they earned the money. However, there's one little thing that was sitting in the back of my head because I started working very, very young. Um, I, I got my first paycheck from a real job at a restaurant. When I was 13 years old. Prior to that, I had paper routes and lawn mowing and snow shoveling and, you know, all the things that kids do. In most states, there are child labor laws. So I don't want to get your kids' employers in trouble. You might want to check with the state of Wyoming and see what those laws are. You may, it's probably not a big deal, but you would have to sign something allowing them to work at this young age. But, yeah, if they'll offer the 1099, if they'll issue them, I'd take it because I think it solidifies the, the earnings record. Yeah, and good for you and good for your kids. Again, that is so awesome. Thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. And let's do one more before we call it a podcast. We're trying to keep these under 20 minutes. Well, look, it turns out we have actually one more phone call.
4: Hey guys, uh, this is Craig, formerly of Puyallup, now up in the mountains, and uh, uh, we didn't quite get to the second part of my question. Um, in terms of AVGE, uh, is that too conservative for a Roth IRA? I'm I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, I'm I'm fairly aggressive. ABUV is my largest holding in my brokerage, so um, you know I I'd, I'd go at it pretty hard. But uh, my Roths are my most uh, aggressive holdings, and while I love ABGE, I wonder if it's too conservative. So please let me know your thoughts. Thanks.
2: Hi Craig, ABGE again. The Avantis Total Market Fund, is it too conservative? I think for most people, the answer is absolutely not. It's a relatively aggressive equity fund. It's more aggressive than VT because it leans more towards small companies and value stocks, which by their very nature are more risky, which is why we expect their returns over time should be higher. But you have AVUV, and if you're comfortable with the extraordinary potential volatility of AVUV, which is the small cap index at Avantis, then, yeah, have your most aggressive stuff in the Roth. I think that makes perfect sense. And then save AVGE for your more conservative accounts. (laughs) For most people, no, AVGE would not be too conservative thanks for the call and <laughs> thanks for listening all the time thanks to all of you for listening all the time we really do appreciate it and you know as we've discovered with some of these questions today sometimes it makes our job a lot easier if we can ask you questions and the only way we could well there are two ways we can do that the main way we do that is through our live show on Saturdays from 3 until 5 Eastern time, noon to 2 Pacific, at this same number, 855-935-TALK. We have almost two hours that we can spend answering questions. And in that first hour, the calls are usually quite light. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're thinking, I really need to talk to these guys, well, call us at 855-935-TALK on Saturdays, and we will talk. If you need more time, maybe you need a half hour, 45 minutes to discuss an issue one-on-one with a fiduciary advisor, we offer that too. And we offer that in a unique way. We offer that with no cost, no obligation, actual answers actionable answers to your questions or your issues. And no, 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 high pressure sales pitch, period, ever. We don't need to do that. Our firm is growing very nicely because we treat people well, I think. So what you can do, set up an appointment with one of our uh, Appello Wealth advisors. That's the company that we with whom we merged, with which we merged. And you can even set up an appointment with Tom. But here's how you do it. You need to go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on the link at the top of the page that says Meet an Advisor. Or weekdays, you can call 800-386-3004. That's our office number, 800-386-3004. Actually, you could call anytime and just leave a message. But uh, And again, you can meet with any of our advisors. They'll help you without making you feel bad. They'll help you because we believe... That's what we should do for everyone, client or not. Now, of course, if you want to become a client, absolutely, we'd love to have you. And we'll take good care of you at a very, very reasonable fee and with some really great systems, technology, products, and people. So go to TalkingRealMoney.com or give us a call at 800-386-3004. Thanks again for listening. Please share the podcast with your friends, with your family, on social media. And if you like us, leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or rank us, rate us at Spotify. Have a great one. I look forward to talking with you again really soon about real money.